Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you with hope. We come to you with faith. We come to you with adoration. We come to you with worship. We come to you in praise. Because you are worthy of everything, Lord. All that we have and beyond, you are worthy. You alone are worthy. There is no one like you, Lord. Two thousand years ago on the cross, you cried out, it is finished. And a little while later, when the trumpet blows, we'll hear again from a billion mouths, voices, it is over. Eternity has begun. We look forward to that day, Lord. And let every service, whether it's corporate or whether we are alone in that secret closet with you, with our face bowed down to your word, every time we are with you and all the time, Help us to look forward to that day. That's the day, Lord. The day of exceedingly great joy. Help us to prepare for that day. And even today's service, let it be a preparation towards that day, Lord. So give us hearing ears, understanding mind, a believing heart, and above all, above all, a will that is bent towards your will to obey, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We've been looking at Elijah. Today we are not looking at, we are not looking at Elijah. But we will, in passing, in the beginning we will look at it. James chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. A man just like us. He was no different. He was just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years, three years and six months. He prayed again, <clears throat> and the heaven gave rain, and earth produced its fruit. Okay? So he was not superman. He was ordinary man. Just ordinary man, like all of If there are any supermen, then this verse does not apply to you. This only applies to ordinary men and women. Okay? He was a man just like us. But if you actually look at the narrative in the book of Kings, the historical record in Kings, it says, God tells Elijah, go, I'm sending rain. God sent fire from heaven. God sent rain from heaven. But here it says, Elijah prayed. Okay. So you always have to understand this. The sovereignty power of God and the will of man. How when it comes together, when it comes together, things happen. The only thing that makes Elijah different from us is that he was a man who prayed. And the only thing that will make you different from your generation is if you are a man or a woman or prayer. I'm not saying word. Because all Christians read the word. All Christians study the word. But the weakness of the church is because the prayer closet is empty. It's left empty. A man or a woman will never rise above their prayer life. Every great man or woman used in the Bible by God, if you look at their lives, they were praying men and praying women or praying children. Okay. So today, I want to focus on that. God heard 
the prayer of a man. He was moved by the plight of Israel moving into sin and into darkness. And in his prayer closet, he heard from God, there's only one way I can bring these people back. That's the way of shutting the heavens. He heard it in his prayer closet. And he prayed accordingly. Scripture actually says, if you pray according to the will of God, he answers. How do you understand the will of God? Not just the word of God. Personally, not just the word of God. We have the word of God. And he exalted his word, magnified his word above all his name. But also in our prayer. It's the word and in the prayer. Even his own son, when he came and walked on earth, emptied himself all of his glory. Each day he had to find, he was itinerant preacher, going from place to place. Each day, for each day he had to find the will of the father in his prayer closet. Only thing, he did not have a prayer closet. So he went to a deserted place, a mountain, some deserted place. And early in the morning, he cried out to his father. The father revealed his will for him. It was a prayer closet that made Jesus, Jesus as a man. Okay. Don't neglect your prayer life. Almost everything that we go through and we are bound by and are not able to overcome is because of our prayer life. The weakness of our prayer life. Prayer life. One of the stunning pictures God puts in the Bible is when Joshua with the army of Israel. We don't know how many thousand people he took. And they're fighting the Amalekites. And Joshua and the army of Israel is fighting a God-given, God-anointed, God-led battle. But the entire success of the battle is dependent upon a man whose hands are up. When his hands come down because he's tired in his prayer life, they lose. Think about an entire nation's victory is dependent upon a man who's praying. And every time Israel is retreating, Joshua must be looking back and he realizes his hands. And Aaron and her realizes, we will lose. So they stand beside him and hold his hands back. These are vivid pictures given in the Bible. And that's why the book of Hebrews says, Lift up your hands. Strengthen your feeble knees. You need to get back. Into it. You cannot depend all your life on somebody else's prayer. God will not allow it. For a season, yes. For a season, yes. But God does not like dependency. He wants each one to come to him and learn to pray. Elijah prayed. God withheld rain. Elijah prayed. God sent rain. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, this is what the Bible says. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Where does all the conflicts in a family, in an individual, anywhere come? It's because of lack. It's because of lack. And God says, why are you fighting? Because I don't have. And he has, I don't have. He says, he, says, he has because he asked. You didn't ask. It's as simple as that. You do not have because you do not ask. This is why don't you ask? You do not have because you do not ask. Then you will say, Lord, Pastor, is that so simple? It is and it is not. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, 
receives. Every he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. This is in the this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about. And as soon as he finishes in chapter eight, verse two, he comes down. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What did he do? He? Yes. Yes. And in Israel's history, not a single leper has ever been healed. And he asked. He asked. What did he get? He received. He asked. And he received. Verse 25. Then his disciples came to him, awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. They're going across in the boat. The water got in. What did they do? They asked. And what did he do? Still the storm. Suddenly everything is quiet. Next chapter 9 and 2. While he spoke these things, behold, a ruler came, worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. What did he do? He asked. And who would ask when your child is dead? He did. He did. Lord, there is no hope in my life. There's no hope for promotion. It's dead. My career is dead. My marriage is dead. Beyond hope. God says no. You didn't ask. He asked. And Jesus went. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He came with expectancy. I will not deny you. I will not deny you. So the question is, did you ask? Did you ask? James chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. If you want to excel in your career in the world, what do you need? Wisdom in your, in your whatever subject, whatever area you're working. What do you need? Wisdom. God says, you ask. And how does God give? Stingy he is. No, liberally. Liberally. And without reproach. And it will be given to you. But... But, let him ask in faith. But, let him ask in faith. So why do we preach? So that faith will come. And that you will go home and ask. Okay? The problem is, it's not that we haven't preached. We have preached more than any church in Hyderabad. If you look at the time. And we preach faith, 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 faith. But you don't go home and ask. So all that faith is waste. All that faith. Matthew 9, 27 and 30. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me, on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. They're blind. Goes into a house. They follow after him. And he asked, Do you believe I can do that? He touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be to you. So if you ask, let him not doubt. They said yes. Yes. We believe. 
And he says, okay, you really believe? Then let it be according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. The first point today is, lot of things we do not have because we do not ask. We simply do not ask. We do not ask. Just think about my five children. They're all too big now, but imagine they are five children. Okay? One of them comes in the morning and says, Dad, I want 100 rupees. And I give 100 rupees. Evening, they're all coming back. The fellow who got took 100 rupees, he's got something and he's happy. And everybody is mad at him. How come, how come? I said, because he asked. You didn't. You didn't. And my youngest one is very smart. She'll send me 15 kisses and all those, whatever you call on, says, Papu, I love you so much and give me money. What do you have to lose? And then she'll go one step forward and says, can you give me a credit card number? I said, no way, honey. <laughs> no way. Not that. I'll give you money, not my credit card. You have nothing to lose by asking. God says, why don't you ask? You say, how much less conflict you would have in life? And he gives liberally. We saw, right? Last week, two weeks back. Vision is 3.20. Beyond we can think or imagine. Point one, we do not have because we do not ask. Point two, ask and it shall be seek. And you shall. Now we are going to the second level of prayer. First level, simple level is the child level. Everybody who asked Jesus got it. Second level, seek. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Getting the picture? Now we are not stopping at asking. We are not stopping at asking. Lot of people in Jesus' lifetime when he walked on earth stopped with asking. They asked for something, they took it and they left. Without realizing what Jesus did in their life was to cause them to seek him. But they didn't do it. They took it. Almost all of them walked away. They walked away. It's like the English story of killing the goose that lays golden eggs. They took it and they walked away. Jesus said, <coughs> all these were signs. And the purpose of the sign was that you would seek me. Okay? A lot of people have testimonies about God healed me, God did this and all. But if you really look in their lives, they just stopped there. They didn't go beyond that. In John chapter 2 verse 11, Jesus does his first miracle recorded. The wedding at Cana. He turns water into wine. Only his disciples knew the secret and a few servants what happened. Scripture says, this beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. They went beyond asking. Now they are following him. Now they are following him. Now they are following him. They put their trust in him. They believed in him. In John chapter 4, 47 onwards, you will see. This is a rich man who comes because of his servant. When he heard Jesus, yeah, 47 onwards is enough, yeah? 
When he heard that Jesus had come out to Judea in Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. He said, nobleman said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So it's one day later. Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Look at the next words. The father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household believed. They didn't stop with asking. Now. They believed in Jesus Christ. Now they are moving into stage two. They are seeking. They are seeking. They believed. Not in the miracle. They already experienced the miracle. They are believing in the miracle worker. Miracle worker. There's a man who was born blind. Jesus said, put mud in his eyes. Go to the pool so long. Get healed. Wash it. He comes back. And Jesus finds him. In John chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, you will see. Jesus heard they had cast him out, and when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with me, with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. The question is, do we seek him? Otherwise, all those miracles are actually wasted. Actually wasted. It won't take us further. Death will separate us from the miracle. And it was never supposed to. In Mark chapter 10, verses 50 to 52, Jesus is entering into Jericho. And he, there's a blind man sitting over. We know the story. His name is Bartimaeus. He cries out. The people say, shut up. He cries louder. Jesus says, bring him to me. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight. And he went in the opposite direction. The city was on this side. He went with Jesus. He went with Jesus. He went with Jesus. The question is, are we seeking him? Are we seeking him? Have we gone beyond the asking stage? Are we still nowhere? We don't ask. And if we ask, we have received. We don't seek. Let's go to the Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 30. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In the asking, you are asking for a miracle. In the seeking, you are seeking for the miracle worker. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You will find me. Okay. Now let us go in order. Let's go up to verse 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. What's the first thing you will do? All my plans for all my children are good. I don't have bad plans. He says, you will ask. Verse 12, you will ask. You will call upon me. Go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. 
listen to you. And verse 13 and 14, you will seek me, find me, when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. It's not that I will hide from you. I will be found from you, by you. God says, all who seek, find me. The problem is, often we are just satisfied with the sign. We are like the children of Israel in the desert. Psalm 103 and verse 7 says this about them. He made known his ways to Moses. Why? Because Moses sought him. So God revealed himself to Moses. But he showed his miracles to them. They only asked. Remember, you get what you ask. Moses asked for God. So he got God. The people asked for miracles. And they got that. And some of the miracles they didn't enjoy at all. So question God asks, second question God asks is, you do not have because you do not? Do not have because you do not? Ask. Second point is, do we seek all those who have asked and have some experience of God's power in your life? Mahesh, some experience of power in your life. Do you seek? Matthew 13 verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Bought it. He says, you need to seek. You want to find me? It's a different thing. You will have to seek me with all your heart so that I can entrust myself into your hands. Now, you're not seeking for a miracle. You're not seeking for a miracle. Now, let's go to the knocking part. Don't get knocked out. Let us look at the knocking part. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He's saying there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man. I don't care for God or man. But... Yet because this woman troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? That is knocking. I'm not going to stop until you answer me. I am not going to stop. He says the problem is this. When the Son of Man comes, will you find that kind of prayer? People who never gave up. People who never gave up. Now imagine, understand this judge. He's not comparing himself to a judge, but in some ways he says, this judge is a rascal. He doesn't care for man, justice, righteousness. He's not bothered by any of these things. He's a crook. He's a corrupt judge. He must have been a Democrat. I see 11 3. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. This is Christ. You need to understand what it means in compared to this. Okay? He will not judge by the sight of his eyes. Crooked judges 
and crooked lawyers make the entire system. Okay, a few righteous men and women, but most of them are, I believe, crooked. So the entire system is against justice. Though it is meant Department of Justice, it is against justice. So the lawyer will look and look at the judge, and the judge will look at the lawyer, and they will make the sign. Paisa mil gaya. Paisa mil gaya. Case dismissed. Nahi mila. Sada de do. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or by the hearing office. In between, you will see them. Your Honor, I have to tell something to the bench alone. Your Honor, Milkaya. Understood? That is the judge who does not fear God or man. He's corrupt to the core. Still, he answered this widow, who's definitely poor, and does not have the money to bribe. He answered her because she refused to give up. He says, if a crooked fellow will answer the prayer of a widow who has nothing to give, how much more your God? Why do you give up so easily? Why do you give up so easily? How quickly we give up? Right? What is that woman's cry? Avenge me of my... And we have an adversary. His name is Satan. And our every cry of every person on earth is, Lord, avenge me of my adversary. I want justice. I want justice. Apply it to your situation. Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5 says, why we can appeal for justice. This is the reason. He has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And the adversary withholds justice. So God says, are you grieving? Are you sorrowful? Do you have lost peace? Do you need healing? Don't stop crying. Doesn't matter what's the condition. The only stop, only time you should stop praying for your healing is when you die. Honestly, unless God tells you, don't pray. I'll take you through this. There are prayers for which certain prayers we will never stop until you get it. Or let him say, I'm not giving it to you. One prayer is the salvation of unsaved loved ones. You will keep knocking until you rescue them from the clutches of hell. You're not going to give it up. You're not going to give it up. You have to pray. Because there is an adversary who is against your peace. Who wants you to be drowned in grief and sorrow when he paid the price. How can you ask for justice? How can you contend for justice? You can contend for justice because the price has been paid. And it's being withheld. We are not receiving it. So many things in life, we are not receiving it because we don't pray. We don't consistently pray. Consistently pray. Knock, and it shall be, keep knocking, believe, all my children, all our children shall be taught of the Lord, great shall be their peace. Don't give it up, don't give it up, don't give it up. If an unrighteous judge, all this illustration Jesus is using is connected with prayer. 
Second Peter chapter two verses one and four. Yeah. Second Peter chapter. Yes, now that is fit. One four. Simon. Yeah, only just one four. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. We have unbelievable promises, seven to eight thousand to nine thousand promises in the Bible. God says, Do you grab all these premises promises and come into your prayer closet and keep knocking on the door of heaven? And never give up. Look at how KJV puts Romans four twenty. He staggered not at the promise of God. Who would believe a promise when you are already now 100 years old and your wife is 90 and you don't have a kid? You don't have a kid. He didn't give up because he had a promise. When he goes to his altar to pray, he has a promise. Lord, you said so. I am knocking on the door. We will have a baby. We will have a baby. My wife will not die barren. My wife will not die barren. You know why? Because you promised. You promised. You know how much, how much of God's will we lose in life because we leave the prayer closet empty? Prayer closet empty. I am going to hold on to you. Like how, you know, Adonijah, one lesson you learn from Adonijah in First Kings 1, 51. It was told to Solomon saying, indeed Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. For look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar saying, let King Solomon swear to me today, he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And he survived. You know why? Because he clung to the horns of the altar. God says, do you cling like that? One man's entire destiny and the history of the world changed in Genesis 36. History of the world changed because he says, I will not let go. He's praying. I will not let go of you unless you... This is the battle in the prayer closet. All alone with God. The world is the world today because this man did not let go of God in prayer. All Israel's neighbor till yesterday... Therefore, yesterday, Sudan also made peace with Israel. You know why? Because he refused to give up. The effects of a man's prayer is being played out in our lifetime. Unless you bless me, I will not let go of you. Okay. Do you know if you succeed in your prayer closet, the, the answer to that prayer could go into subsequent generations? Subsequent generations. Are we getting the power of what God is saying? That's we began with Elijah. Elijah was a man. Just like that. But he prayed. How did he differ from us? He prayed. How do we differ from Elijah? We don't pray. He was a man who prayed. Could stop heavens. Not a single drop in the territory of Israel. Not a drop. Forget drop. No dew. No dew.
In Luke 11, the first four verses are the Lord's Prayer. Teach us to pray. So he teaches us to pray. Then 9 and 10, you will have ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. And everyone who asks receives. In between, there is an interesting gap. 5 to 8. It's all about prayer. We, sometimes, unless we search, we will realize Jesus taught so much about prayer. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within saying, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So there are three friends. The visiting friend, the sleeping friend, and the persistent friend. Three friends. Not three idiots, three friends. Western world, you don't know what Three Idiots is the name of a movie. Very famous movie. I never watched it. Okay? I don't, I know the titles. I don't know about the stories. Honestly, before God, I haven't watched any of these movies. I'm the only one alive today who hasn't watched either Shole or Titanic. But I know all the scenes because I have seen others mimicking those scenes. So I searched what the scene is. Even some heroes in our midst have done those scenes. Okay? So three friends. A visiting friend, a sleeping friend, and a persistent friend. He flat out refused. Knock, 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 knock. Leave me alone. Bivi sore. Terror of the Lord. Bivi sore. Bache bi sore. Especially that one. Wakes up, finished. My sleep is gone. The whole neighborhood sleep is gone. Go away. Listen to what the Bible says. He woke up and gave him bread. Not because he was his friend. Because of his persistence. Not only that. Read carefully. He gave him as much as he wanted. He asked for three. He gave him six. Meaning don't come back and knock again please. (laughs) This is exactly what Ephesians 3.20 is. He will give you more than you ask. More than you ask. Please don't give up in your prayer closet. Learn. Learn. No? The beauty of it is that our online service, the beauty of it is not the word. The word was always effective. It was always bringing in the sheep. But the prayer we began, I have every day, including till last night, every week I have letters coming from around the world from women saying that we found our destiny. We will stand in the gap and intercede. We understood what it is. And I said, that's all we ask. Stand there and pray the church through. The worldwide church. God is looking for intercessors. Intercessors. What does God want me to do? You'll find it in your prayer closet. What do I need in life? You'll find it in your prayer closet. Much of your life will be determined whether you are present or absent in the prayer closet. Are you getting it? Okay, start little. Don't begin with this. Okay, pastors preach. Today I will pray for two hours. No, you will not. Try two minutes. 
and ask God, help me. Help. A lot of people uh, give up because they make these great plans. Okay? Start small and keep increasing it. Keep increasing it. And as you stabilize in your prayer life, keep adding. Not just the time. Start fasting. If you're not used to fasting, fast once a week. Then twice a week. Let God tell you. He'll give you. He's the author and the finisher. Okay? He will help you. You will see that it radically changes your life. Radically changes of your life. You find one man in the Bible who was not a praying man whom God used mightily. There's nobody like that. Every one of them was a praying man. Every one of them was a praying man. Today, we'll look at one man who changed history, his history. If you turn to the book of Chronicles, this is in your mind, okay? If you know your Bible, turn in your mind to the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles. The first nine chapters is genealogy. 500 to 600 names. We don't usually read genealogy because we find nothing in it. So, those of you who have the habit of reading your Bible, read genealogy. You will find gems in it. Not GMS, which you eat, the other one. Because the small ones will suddenly, Ajay's eyes popped up gems. Okay, I didn't know gems was found in Chronicles, no honey. Okay, it's a different kind of gem. Okay, like if you're in the first chapter, 1 and 19, you don't have to go there. But if you go there, I'll just show you how you study your Bible. One nineteen. It says, to Eber were born two sons, the name of one was Peleg. For in his days the earth was divided. And if you read the account in Genesis, you will see the same thing mentioned over there. So when something is mentioned twice, it is not an accident. So we have to think, by faith, we believe the earth was formed by God. And the earth was one whole mass. That's what I believe. And during Noah's time, the flood came and the seas were formed because of judgment. That is why in the new earth, there is no sea because judgment is over. Okay? But subsequently, after Noah's generation came, during Peleg's time, the earth was divided. You can call it centripetal force or whatever, whatever, continental shift and all. That is scientific names. Truth, God divided it. Simple. Okay? If you're writing a geography examination and you don't know continental ship, just write God divided it. <laughs> Reference, First Chronicles 119. <laughs> you wouldn't know. The teacher might say, We'll Google and say, Ah. You have no idea how you may bring an atheist teacher to the kingdom of God by your answer. Remember these facts. Okay? So when you read Chronicles accounts, you will find so many interesting things. In chapter 2, verse 3 will say, there was a boy called Ur. Ur means mistake in English. And he was so wicked, God killed him. It's written in Genesis. So for God to repeat, somebody was so evil, he was really evil. Okay? So if God repeats your name twice, let it for be a good thing and not for a bad thing. Then in 2.7, in that list, suddenly there is Akan mentioned over there. Okay? The man who brought destruction to his household. But we are not looking at these people. You come through the first four chapters in chapter 4 and verse 9. Suddenly a man is mentioned. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers 
And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. You have no clue. In eternity we will see how many tens and thousands of people were delivered from their situations because they read the record in Chronicles and God's Spirit showed them this verse and the subsequent verse. There was a man called Jabez. It's a man called Jabez. He was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez. Jabez means pain. pain. Now who would call you a child name? Pain. Imagine somebody naming your son Dukkha. There's a friend who visited me before the pandemic. He had come from another country. So four of them had come and one of their names and I was little, they, I know that language, not in Bali, another language. So later I asked my, one of my friends who was with them, one of the, there were two pastors and another two. I said, who named him that? Because that name meaning I know, it meaning is idiot. What kind of a parent would name the child idiot? That's exact meaning of his name. That poor fellow still goes around with that name and everybody calls him by that name. Think you are name. You are Jabez. And you're five years old and you're playing with your friends and suddenly mommy calls from home. Come home. Pain! Think your name. The shame. The reproach. The question is, if he's named that way, how did he become more honorable than his brothers? God says, it's not your pain. It's not your name. It's not your situation. It's not your struggle. It's not your grief that determines your destiny. You can change it. You need to realize, often, pain is not your enemy. Everybody we saw in the morning, so far we saw in the morning, and through the gospel accounts of Jesus, it was their pain that led them to Jesus. And they cried out to him. And they always found he was willing. Sad are you if you don't have pain in your life. You don't know whom to cry to. You see, most people have a very abstract knowledge of God. Abstract knowledge of God. It's head knowledge. That's the crowd that is going with Jesus. And then there is a woman there with the issue of blood for 12 years. Scripture says she came from the behind and touched the hem of his robe. Do you know what? That abstract knowledge became personal for her because Scripture says virtue flew into her. That's what pain does. And when you turn your pain and reach out to God, it's no longer abstract. It's no longer abstract. The knowledge of God becomes personal. You have experienced Him. You have experienced Him. Pain is not your enemy. Pain is your friend. If you can use it to have an encounter with God. Pain, sickness, loneliness, failure, Rejection, reproach, 
add to that list, whatever your condition is. Whatever your condition is, that makes you miserable. In Isaiah 48 to 10, this is what God tells Israel. Behold, I have refined you, not as silver. I have tested you, or I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. Because in that furnace of affliction, you cried out to me, and I chose you. I picked you. And Jesus puts it across as, he just will give you a simple story, but you have to read beyond the lines, the hidden meaning. There was two men. There was a rich man dressed in purple. Every day is party time. There's a poor man sitting outside in rags, swords from head to feet, and dogs were his company looking for scraps. And then one day, destiny came knocking. Time up for both of you. One went down plummeting into hell. The other was carried by angels to paradise. And the question you need to ask is that, how does Lazarus reach paradise? Because in his pain, he cried out. And the Lord heard him. In his affliction, he was chosen. Because he cried out. He cried out. Nicodemus came in the dark. And he left in the dark. Because he had no pain in his life. It was an abstract knowledge. He came for an intellectual discussion. He came the way, he left the way he came. But the scene changes. There is a woman in pain. Rejected, reproached, ashamed, no company. Had five husbands. All five rejected her. Living with the sixth one in sin. Nobody to walk with her. Has to come in the height of the midday sun to draw water. And Jesus is there. It was her pain that caused her to come to that well at that hour. There was he waiting for her. No more would she be in pain. Because she turned her pain over to him. And she would be the first one in Samaria to declare the Messiah. We all think about Peter's miracle. Till then, he was also listening to the word of God. He had an abstract knowledge of God. Then Jesus said, get into the boat. Push it into the deep. And he said, throw the net on the other side. You know what he said? The most terrible, miserable, unsuccessful Night, last night, all night, till morning, it was failure. It was failure. But at your word, I will put it. The next thing that happened was a miracle. And he fell on his knees and says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Let me tell you, if the previous night was his incredible catch, he wouldn't have come to the Lord. It was his failure of the previous night that it made him see the hand of God in his miracle. Success is not always good. It takes your eye off God. It takes your eye off God. He had failed the previous night. And probably we do not know how many nights before that. And he turned to God. He knew this is only God. So in Chronicles 4.9, Scripture says, 
Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called him. You read the entire record, one, two, nine chapters. Go line by line by line by line by line by line. As far I can remember, 500, 600 names. He's the only one who was named by his mother. The rest of the list is all fathers. So where is the father? Is she was, was he born out of wedlock? Is his father dead? Is his mother a widow? And when she conceived him, did his father die? Therefore, he says, now on top of this, this man is dead also. This boy, this child is pain. Was he somebody what we call today rejected in the womb? Because you see, Planned Parenthood wasn't there those years. Otherwise, she would have aborted him. We don't know. Mother. It is her misdirected anger and frustration and grief and sorrow. She focuses it on an innocent baby and names him pain. You know, life begins. Life begins with a curse. Every parent wants to name their child, which is a blessing. Vijay means victory. Santosh means joy. Ultimately, in eternity, my parents will see it is I who brought joy to their life and not the other four. Because salvation is coming through me into their lives. So they didn't make a mistake when they named him. Me, him, victory, so many lives. That's how parents want to name their children. And what did his mother name the child? Pain. Beginning with a curse. You need to understand in Judaic culture, naming is very, very important. That determines your destiny. So in so many ways, the mother, there's no father in the picture at all. The only surviving parent, according to the one-line information we have, short-circuits his future. is called pain. Modern language, all the odds are against him. Casino language, the deck is stacked against him. It's all reading knowledge. I've never been to a casino, okay? Please don't misunderstand me. Never been to a casino bar as an 18-year-old only once in my life with my friends. Okay. Smoked only one day in my life. So don't worry about those things, okay? There was no way out for him. Absolutely. His future is jinxed. Poor family. Mother is probably a widow. Probably the last child. And the mother has cursed him. But nobody factored one thing. What Jabez would do. That's verse 10. Jabez called on the God of Israel. He was not going to allow what we call fate determine my destiny. He called upon whom? When you call, be sure you call upon the right God. Don't call on Baal. Antame Baal Baal bhi nahi bachega. Call on Yahweh. Call on the right God. He called on the God of Israel. One line. Just one line. And you will see everything changes. 
nobody's, somebody's life should not have changed. It was Jabez's. But if somebody's life radically changed because of a prayer, it was Jabez's. What did he pray? He called upon the God of Israel. And he was absolutely bold in his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. It's no casual prayer. It's not a casual prayer. It is a preserving, door-breaking, knocking prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And he says, I leave the blessing to you. I'm not telling you what I need to be blessed with. I leave it to you. You bless me. I want nothing more than what you have for me and I will not rest with anything less than what you have for me. You bless me. Oh, that you would bless me. Indeed, you bless me. Old illustration I have given you. A father and his little boy went shopping. And they were passing that, let us put it Indian context, Badam. Mumfali shop. So the little boy was there. The father told. The, the shopkeeper was his friend. He says, show me your hands. Take some nuts. The boy said, no. He kept asking many times. He said no. Then finally, he took and gave. The boy put his t-shirt out because his hands were small. They took it. On the way back, father asked him, how many times did he ask? Why didn't you take it? He said, because his hands are bigger. His hands are, my hands are small. His hands are bigger. So, you need to realize, Jabez was a very smart man. He knew God's hands were bigger. He didn't look at his circumstances and say, Lord, please bless me with two cows and a bull. And over time it will multiply. He said, you give me everything you have. He took the limits off. Just a smart guy. I don't want more than what you have for me. And I will not be satisfied with anything less than what you have for me. Oh, that you bless me indeed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Boldness of a young man, whatever he was, whose name, pain, to go. He's not saying, Lord, please, give me some anesthetia. Lord, anesthetic, Lord, please, Lord, give me a shot. This is too much pain, is too much. He said, no, bless me. Always we go and say, Lord, elevate my pain. He's not even talking about his pain. He says, you bless me. The best antidote to pain is blessing. The blessing of God. The blessing of God. Like I said, nothing succeeds like success. If you are a successful person, nobody looks at the color of your skin. They just want your autograph. They want a selfie taken with you. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. If you are a failure, again, it doesn't matter what is the color of your skin. You may have spotless complexion. You can go and sleep with it. It's not going to work. But he said, Lord, bless me. Didn't stop there. And enlarge my territory. Isaiah 54, 1 to 4. Sing, O barren, you have not born. 
break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sticks. Two illustrations over there. First is calling a barren woman. In the old covenant setting, that's the most terrible thing. Even in Indian setting, also a terrible thing. If you're a Indian Hindu setting. It's terrible. Barren woman. Sing. The most barren woman you can think about is Sarah. 90 years old and barren. Oh boy. Did she sing when Isaac came? Did she name her son Laughter? Boy, Sarah's tent had to be enlarged, not for a child, but for nations. She didn't birth a child. She birthed a nation. A nation. A physical Israel and a spiritual Israel. She birthed nations. Look at that. What did he say? Enlarge in the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sticks. How do you go to this God? Do you go to God and ask for peanuts? How is your prayer? What is the greatest prayer in terms of asking from God or the challenge God gives in the Bible? Ask of me, I'll give you the nations. And people don't ask. Forget nation, they don't even ask for one gully. Lord, please use me to evangelize my gully. No. That also, my, at least my household, that also people won't ask. Enlarge in my tents. Lord, enlarge in my tents. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Think. Think. Whatever your situation is, do you have the boldness to go to the prayer closet and ask, Lord bless me? Lord bless me? And enlarge in me? Think about a fellow, all his brothers are elder to him. He's the last born and let us think. Probably hypothetically when he was born, before he was born, his father died. They are poor. And this fellow has been named cursed. His name has pain. Look at his prayer. Look at his prayer. He's bold in his prayer. Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge in my tents. Enlarge in my borders. Fill my barns. Let my cup overflow. It's a smart guy. Very spiritually smart guy. And what does he say? Let's go back. That your hand would be upon me. Lord, I'm not saying bless me and leave me. I'm saying, Lord, bless me and stay with me. Be very careful. This is an incredibly spiritually wise man. He's got discernment. Don't bless me and leave me. Bless me and stay with me. Let your hand be upon me all the days of my life. Let your hand. 
Don't just bless me. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow to it. He adds no sorrow. It makes you prosper. We are not talking about just this physical prosperity, even though that's part of it. We are talking about an eternal prosperity. But he says, Lord, I just don't want prosperity. I want your hand upon me. Stay with me. Stay with me. That was the secret of Joseph. Every place it is written, God was with him. God was with him. A lot of people prayed for prosperity. They did not pray God's hand should be upon them. And therefore, you know what? They were destroyed by the very blessing. The very blessing destroyed them. Richard Wombrand, for those of you who know, he was in prison in, uh, in uh, Romania during the communist regime. For 14 years, he was imprisoned in isolation for his faith. So finally, communism collapsed, everything, he was freed. During one of his interviews in U.S., he was asked, how come, they asked, U.S. escaped that communism, socialism, communism, and that persecution? How come that you are so blessed? How come you've been so blessed and you escaped communism, socialism, and the subsequent persecution? He said, we didn't escape. He said, you didn't escape. You got something worse than communism. You got materialism, which takes more people to hell than persecution does. Okay. That's why he's smart. He knows his biblical history. Jeshurun grew fat and he kicked against his master. He said, Lord, bless me. Let your hand be upon me. Let your hand be upon me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I want your hand upon me. Ramba Moses pray, if your presence doesn't go from this place, I don't want to go. I'll stick in the wilderness. I don't want to go to the land flowing with milk and honey, houses which you have in build and gold and silver. And I don't want all that. I want that with you. I don't want that without you. Bless me. Enlarge in my territory, let your hand be upon me. The hand of God upon us. Joshua 4, 23 and 24. After they have crossed the Red Sea, sorry, the River Jordan, he is teaching the children of Israel. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty. Remember, an ocean, a sea, and a river he opened before us. So that all the world will know. The hand of God is upon you. So he's saying, you know, Lord, you bless me. Your hand is upon me. Obstacles will start moving out of my way. As I go, there will be doors opening for me because the hand of the Lord. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. Your hand is upon me. Our forefathers, the sea opened for them. The river opened for them. I'm just one person, but you're the same God. You're the same God. You are the same God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Due season he will. Come under his hand. Let your hand be upon me. 
You cannot have his hand upon you unless you humble yourself. So Peter says, humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will exalt you in due season when the time comes. The hand of God can be incredibly powerful over his children, over his servants. In Exodus 9.3, and incredibly powerful against his enemies. Behold, the hand of the Lord will be upon your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, and a very severe pestilence. It can work out the other way. Hand of God can protect your people and destroy his enemies. When God stretched his hand over Egypt, it was plague after plague after plague. Yet, the hand of God was in another way over Israel in Goshen. It passed over them. The hand of God. We don't want a plague. We want protection. That's the first thing. We prayed last night, this morning. We prayed last night together. This morning we prayed together. I prayed early in the morning. I prayed. What is that, Lord? For the first time, the little ones are coming to church. They will not be touched. They are under the blood. Young and old, they are all under the blood. Eat. The disease and death will pass over us. Because your hand is upon us. Your hand, O oh Lord, we believe. We speak it over us. Protection. Your mighty hand. We are not your enemies. We are your children. First Samuel chapter 5 and verse 6. This is when the Philistines took the ark of the Lord into their camp. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashur. And they started breaking into all kinds of tumors. Hand of the Lord. Look at this man's prayer. Why do you think the Holy... This is some scribe sitting in some dusty room and the, he's writing down the account. When he comes to... He's looking at the records, writing, writing. And when he comes to First Chronicles chapter 4, 9, he's actually literally moved by the Spirit of God to change the narrative. This is not history. This is truth. which will change the lives of millions in the subsequent coming generations. Right. Right. In Exodus, in, in First Kings chapter 18, verse 46, you see an increase. You have to believe what will happen to you and apply to your own situation when the hand of the Lord comes upon you. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ahab is the king. He is in his chariot. The king's chariot has the best horses in that land. And this guy was specific, very good on horses. I mean, he wasn't worried that the, the people died of the famine. He wanted to keep his horses alive. That's the kind of fellow this is. And Arabian horses are the best. And he's got, you know what? The prophet ran faster than the fastest chariot the king had. And the hand of the Lord came upon him. You want speed in your life? You want to fast forward certain things which you know has been delayed in your life? You know, that's exactly what the hand of God can do in your life. A lot of people say, people will say, oh, the Bible promises, oh, my life is all a waste, it is too late. God says, I can do something called fast forward. I'll give you back all the years the locusts have eaten. I'll speed up. Like our young John Ritchie did. He did a sermon jam. I posted it. After some time, I get reports from around the world. Pastor, did you speak that fast? Then I went back and realized to make the time short, he speeded it. You know, God can speed your life. That an old prophet 
can run faster than the king's chariot. Do you know what the prayer means? Lord, let your hand be upon me. It can be tough on you too. Psalm 32, verse 3 and 4. This is David. When I kept silent, my groans grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. You're a child of God. You're walking in rebellion. Be sure. He will press you down. It is not corona which is giving you breathlessness. It is the hand of God. You don't need a ventilator. Just repent. You are in an ICU, but a different ICU where until you can see him. This guy is goofed up. And he's still not willing to come out and confess it to God. And the hand of God is pressing him down. Is the hand of God pressing somebody down? Today? God said, open your mouth and confess. It's over. If you confess, I will forgive. In the blood of Jesus. It's as simple as that. Go, cry out to God. The hand of God presses him down. This is the anointed king of God. The hand of God can destroy enemies, prosper his children, and also discipline his children. Psalm 38. <clears throat> oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows pierce me, and your hand presses me down. You know what he's asking? He's saying, Lord, oh Lord, that you would bless me, Enlargen my territory and your hand would keep me and discipline me as I go. That's what David says. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For thy rod and thy one is for discipline. The other is for protection. God says don't run away from my discipline. Learn from it. Learn from it. Because it will keep you blessed as you go. The blessing does not destroy you. Lord, bless me and empower me. Walk with me, Lord. I don't want a one-time blessing. I want a sustained blessing. I want a life that is blessed and is a blessing. Let's go back to First Chronicles 4.10. That you would bless me, your hand would be upon me, that you would keep me from evil. That's nice. How many of us pray that simple prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Lord, keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. James chapter 4, 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend on your pleasures. Lord, Protect me from evil. I'm asking, and what you give me, let me use it for good and not for evil. If you give me a phone, Lord, let me use for something that edifies, not something that destroys. You give me something, oh Lord, let me use it that brings a blessing and not destroys me or others. Keep me from evil. There are two kinds of evil. One is the evil that others do to us. We all cry out when that happens. There is the other, the evil that we do to others. And he's praying for both. Lord, 
Lead me from that trap. Deliver me from evil. Like I said, we always pray for the first. Very rarely do we pray for the second. Lord, let not others do evil towards me. But let me not do evil to others. Even if others do evil to me and I don't do evil in return, you can turn the evil for good. But what if I do evil to others? That's his prayer. That's his prayer. Why is he praying this prayer? Because he understands the history of Israel and the nature of mankind. He is saying, Lord, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge in my territory, your hand would be upon me, and keep me from evil. Because if you really bless me, I'm going to be a very successful man. And successful people have done evil. They did not do evil when they were not successful. They did not do evil when they were not rich. They did not do so much evil when they did not have power. But when they had power, when they became successful, they did evil. It, when Saul was just a keeper of donkey, he didn't do anything. But when he became king, he did much evil. When David was fleeing from Saul, he didn't do much evil. But when he became king, he was enthroned in Jerusalem. He did much evil. Solomon did not do any evil as a young man. But when he had unlimited power and wealth, he did much evil. That's why he's praying. Lord, you bless me. Lord, I want increase. Lord, I want your hand upon me, your hand of power, your hand of might, your hand that will destroy my enemies, your hand that will discipline me. And Lord, Protect me from evil. Deliver me from evil. That I don't harm anyone. I am named pain. And every day my mom reminds me of that. But I want to be a blessing and not a pain. I don't want to do evil. I've been named that way. Pain. That I will do evil and I will bring pain. But I don't want to do that. I don't want my name to be my destiny. I want my destiny rewritten. Why? Because we say hurting people hurt others. I've been named pain and I've already gone through so much pain. I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to break that cycle. Yes, I have been hurt. Yes, my identity itself is pain. You are the healer of Israel. So bless me, Lord. Keep me from evil. Let me not cause any pain. Jebus was just, in so many ways, echoing like his forefather Jacob. Wrestling in prayer. Unless you bless me, I will not let go of you. You see, God changed Jacob's name. To Israel and changed his destiny too. God did not change Jabez's name, but changed his destiny. So you don't have to change your name. God can change your destiny. This is what we call not the asking, the seeking. This is the knocking stage of prayer. One thing Jacob has taught mankind and Jabez has taught mankind that in your prayer closet, you can break 
every wicked cycle in your life. You can break every curse that has been pronounced in your life. You can change your destiny in your prayer closet. You can. Your past does not have to determine your future. Because Jabez stands for much of humanity. Much of humanity. Much of humanity. You look at the whole world, the world that is hurting. And what you see, the anger on the streets and the anger in the homes and the drug abuse. All this is because they don't take their pain to God. What pain we often Peace we often forfeit. Needless pain we bear because we do not carry it to the Lord in prayer. It's as simple as that. Jabez took his pain to God. And God changed it. Changed it. And I'm talking to a whole set of people who have gone through, going through maybe a lot of pain. Most of you are often sitting here. A lot of often sitting over here. Did you, are you, are you okay? Because you have some education today. God brought, let's say, Sister Elsa here, started something. Are you just satisfied with that? If you are, you're foolish. You haven't learned from your pain. Of what you went through, your parents went through. How you had to grow up for the past 12 years. Let us say, in a home, away from your home. Without parents. You haven't changed. Really. It hasn't framed your prayer closet. Your pain hasn't turned you towards God and say, Lord, you know what? I want my destiny to change. I want my destiny to change. How many? How many? In this past seven months of pandemic, how many people have come through? Some of them we read in the question and answer, but most of them cannot be. What the horrors they have come through. They have come through. Come through. One question I couldn't even read yesterday in the question and answer. As a young girl, she said I was extremely good looking. And as a young girl in a Muslim nation, my uncle used me. And then he sold me to the rich men. Today, he's dead. He died of cancer. I came to the Lord. I hate my husband. But then, I was listening to the prayer and I was set free. One instant in the prayer closet, God sets you free. An entire life of abuse, pain and sorrow and grief sets you free. Sets you free. How many stories in these seven months it all happened in prayer. All happened in prayer. And he's not just even praying just for that. He says, you bless me. Turn me around. Turn me around. Yesterday, somebody who wrote 48 years on the street. 48 years on the street. How old was she when she was sold? 20. So today, 68 years later, free. Now what do they want to do? They want to be a blessing. 
They want to be a blessing. Think about it. Think about it. What did we turn our pain to? The Bible says, God granted him what he requested. What a simple life. Right. Lord bless me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge in my territory. Your hand be upon me. Keep me from evil. God said, let me not cause, let me not cause pain, Lord. I don't want my name to work out in my life. I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to cause pain. The Lord grant. That's why verse 9 says he was more honorable than his brothers. Why? Because God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. Do you know why this nugget is kept in the account in the Chronicles? Why did God put it in the narrative with Abraham, Isaac? So that we would search. Seek and you shall find. The problem with us is that Christians who read the Bible don't read genealogy. What is there? Nuggets of gold is there. Begat, begat, begat. What did this begat? And then suddenly the narrative changes. A man is mentioned whose father's name is not mentioned. Till then everybody's father, no mother. Suddenly a man and his mother. And he said more honorable. And then his name is Jabez. How can pain be honorable? Because God is not a respecter of persons. Anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, will find. Anyone who knocks, for him the door will be opened. I want the worship team to come. You want to worship for a little while. No? I need to worship for a little while. In the same way, if you open the new covenant and you turn to the first page of the new covenant, the first six verses are mentioned. Four women who went through pain. Terrible pain. One is Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah. Pain of death. Every husband is dying. And no children. And reproach and shame and rejection. God said, put her name there. You may be a Tamar, but I know you. I can change your destiny. Then there is a Canaanite innkeeper who ran a brothel. Her name is Rahab. Then of course there is that Moabite widow called Ruth. Then of course there is Bathsheba who David took and forced himself. Four women. Four nuggets in the first six verses. Not men. Four women. Like I keep telling when I come back to this portion. In that entire genealogy of Jesus Christ. You don't hear the mention of Eve. Sarah. Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, nobody. These were honorable women. You have the names of four women who went through incredible pain, sorrow, grief, and reproach. But you know what? 
Each one of them found God. And that changed their destiny. Even to the little ones who are sitting here, Ajay and uh, Mahesh and all. You know what? You know why you sit like this and your life don't change? It's simply because you don't do that little thing even children can do. Shut the door behind you, get on your knees and say, Lord, speak to me. And keep praying that one prayer until he speaks to you. It may be one day, it may be one year, it may be two years. Are you persistent? Well, God will see if you're persistent or not. And he will say one year, but if you pray that prayer for one year, I will tell you, by the time he speaks to you, you would have already changed. We think we get into the prayer closet to change God. No, we change. We changed. When God answered his prayer, he became a man who could handle that blessings. And he became a man of honor. You know, lives don't change because we are not persistent in prayer. We want others to pray for us. Which is good. Call for prayer. But how long? How long? How long? That's why Jesus asked that man with the 38 years. Probably every morning he was carried and put there. And they come back in the evening. So Jesus asked this question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be carried on the shoulders of somebody else's prayer all your life? Don't you want to know me? Don't you want to know? And it doesn't matter who you are. Your life changes. Your pain should drive you to God and not away from God. And if your pain has not driven you to God, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste. What a waste. They looked through the Bible. They all went through their pain. The first man who walked with God for 300 years went through pain and rejection because to walk with God alone that meant everybody else rejected him. He walked with God alone. His wife didn't, walk, didn't want to walk with God. His children did not want to walk with God. But he still chose to walk alone. Yes, walking with God is one thing, but you still look around for company. And there's no company on earth for Enoch. And he walked with God. Noah must have been reproached, abused, ridiculed, because he chose to follow that one path with God alone and build an ark in the midst of the desert. Where there is no sea. But he stood there. The pain that people face is the pain of rejection. The pain of rejection. You know, in Pennsylvania or Florida, not Florida, Pennsylvania, if I'm right, there was a video that was circulated of a whole set of old people in an old age home which is under lockdown bus saying, we are dying of loneliness, not of COVID. Let us meet somebody and die. Allow us to meet somebody and die. That's what the COVID has done. Locking everybody up. People are going crazy. You know why people go crazy? Because everybody wants somebody. And these people who had nobody met God in their prayer closet. He said, I am there for you. That's why the most beautiful act of Jesus, the entire gospel according to John, is going to Samaria, to the well side. And sit by the well and wait for that woman. Six times rejected. Okay. On shadi.com, six times rejected. 
actually married and divorced. Worse. Worse. Nobody. Nobody. There is the Son of Man waiting for her. You know why we have a Samuel? Because her pain drove her to the prayer closet. It was her pain of rejection, of barrenness, of ridicule and shame drove her to God. Do you know most of Israel was birthed in pain by four women? First one, Leah, who was rejected. Second two, concubines who were just used to produce children. And the third one who cried out to the Lord, give me a child or let me die. Four women birthed the entire Israel in pain. Every one of them. And Israel still stands because it's the work of God. Don't waste your pain. Go to your prayer closet. Cry out to God and say, Lord, Oh Lord, like Jabez, oh Lord, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. That your hand would be upon me. Keep me from evil. And let me not cause pain. The Bible says, the Lord heard his prayer. Accepted his request. He says, prayer granted. This morning, I want to encourage you. Everyone, no one exempted Young and old, everyone. Because before God, words don't matter. You don't need language. Simplest language alone is enough. Just go to God. Just go to God. Just go to God. See, in the book of Romans, Paul says, Offer your body, instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. You know when Elijah prayed and fire came down and burned up everything. He went down with the people, killed all the prophets of Baal. Then he told the man of flesh, Ahab, go eat. And Ahab went to eat. Then the Bible says he ascended up the hill again. And scripture says he went on his face, his head between his knees. He did not offer the instruments of his body. His entire body became a weapon of war. His entire body became the instrument of prayer. And he bent down and did not rise until the rain started coming down. One man. Some prayers can be so easy. Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, I have done everything according to your word. Boom! Fire came. But to get the rain, he had to go back. And he had to be on his face. And he had to pray. Eight times the servant went back and forth. Eight times he said, I see a cloud like the hand of God. Don't give up first time. Don't give up second time. Don't give up. Because certain prayers, you do not have to ask whether this is the will of God. It is the will of God. It is God's will he wants to bless his children. It is God's will he wants to heal his children. If not, let him tell you, like he told his son, no, this cup you have to drink, or tell his servant Paul, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. Let him tell you. You and I were not called to live ordinary lives. None of you. None of you. 
No one here. No one who's listening was called to live ordinary lives. He did not die on the cross and shed his blood for his children to live ordinary lives. And it doesn't matter what you were named. It does not matter who has cursed you. It does not matter what people have said about you. Only thing that matters is will you get go before God and say, Lord, change my destiny. You can overrule everything. You can overrule everything. It does not matter. That's what Jabez did. That's what he did. So today, bend down in faith. You want to kneel down, kneel. Don't worry about anybody. Don't worry about anybody. It's just between you and God. And then when you go back home, today, start the discipline of prayer. Every one of you. Every one of you. The discipline of prayer. Go to God. Your own words. Your own words, it does not matter. When our babies were small, half of what they said did not make any sense. But it brought the father so much joy. The parents so much joy in their words. Just go in your little ways. Just pray. Come with me. Lead us in prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. What can separate us from the love of God? Can sickness, can distress, can persecution? What can? Can our pain? I pray this morning that our pain draws to you today. Let our pain, let our brokenness draw us to you today. Oh, that you would bless us and enlarge our territory. Then your hand would be with us and the Lord will keep us from evil. And the Lord answered, don't cause me, don't cause no pain. That's what you said. That's what Jabez said. And today we pray this prayer of Jabez, my God, believing, believing today. Come on, church, pray with me. Let it be your prayer today, not Jabez's prayer. Let it be your prayer. Territory, Lord. Then your hand would be with us, Lord. And then you would keep us from evil, my God. Let us not cause pain, my God, today. Let us not cause pain, my God, today. Let us not cause pain, my God. That's my cry today, Father. Let us not cause pain. Let us be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing, my God. Lord, many have cursed. Many have harmed. Many wish us evil, my God. But Lord, let us examine our own hearts today. Let us test our own minds, my God, where we down these years of our life have gone wrong. And let us have true godly sorrow, my God. I pray today, let us be a blessing, my God. For the devil meant for harm, God will turn around for good. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us out of all. And Father, I pray our pain will draw us closer. Draw me closer. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Draw me closer to you. Draw me closer to you, my And Lord, we pray, my God, that you, you will cause this pain to draw us closer, my God. To cry out in our closet, 
Come under the blood today, Father. We're under the blood today, Father. We'll stay right under the blood, my God. We will stay right under the blood, my God. And Lord, we will not be a murmuring Israelite, my God. We will not, we will not, my God. We choose not to be murmuring Israelites, my God. We choose to cry out in our closet, in our privacy of our homes. We choose to draw near to you. Oh, Father, I pray, my God. I pray today, touch every heart, my God. Every heart. If you could do it, my God. With the lady with the issue of blood. If you could do it to the Samaritan woman. If you could do it. Oh Lord, Lord, Lord. If you could do it to the blind. If you could raise Lazarus from the dead. If you could feed them in the wilderness. All the Israelites, you could do it to us. You are no respecter of persons. Believe today, church. Believe, believe, believe that he is able. Believe that he will bring you through. Believe, 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 he says. Get rid of doubt and unbelief today. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe that your past is, oh Lord, peace about your past. Grace for today. Hope for the future. Believe, believe, would you believe today? Would you cry out to him today? Would you cry out and he will meet you at your point of need? We believe, we believe today, Father. We believe as a church, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. My God, we're more than two, my God. Touch every broken heart today, Father. Touch every disappointed heart, my God. And Lord, as Christians, as your children, we have no reason to be disappointed, my God, because we know in whom we believe. We know in whom we serve. We have no reason to be disappointed. We should expect the pain. We should, we should expect all this, my God. We should expect it knowing when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. When he comes in one way, he has to flee seven ways. We should believe. We should believe, my God. Help us. Help our unbelief today. Help us today, Father. Break through today, Pal Perazam. Break through, break through with our children's lives. Break through, my God, with young adults today. Break through, break through. My God, we cry out for a breakthrough. Lord, first in us, in our hearts, first in us, in our minds, my God. This warped thinking, the sick thinking, the sick heart, my God. Oh, Father, we believe, we believe. Rain down today. Let your anointing flow. Touch our minds. Touch our hearts. Thank you for the word today, Father. Thank you for the word, my God. Thank you for speaking through our shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. It's not about him, my God. It's not about him. But it's about the God we serve, my God. It's about the God we serve, my God. Oh, Father, we thank you. What a friend, what a friend we have in Jesus, my God. What a friend you are, my God. You're an awesome God. You're a loving God. You're a faithful God. And today we believe deliverance will take place in the house of God. It will take place in our hearts. We believe, we believe that we've come out of here. It won't be a one day thing. It'll be an everyday thing. It'll be an exercise every day. We will constant, thank you, thank you for constantly reminding us that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For our young children here from Grace Home today, I pray, my God, I pray right now, right now, right now, you're touching them. I pray right now, my God, this journey, 12 years, this journey, my God, it won't be about education, it'll be about the God we serve. It'll be about the God we serve. 
Jesus, Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. That's our scripture God gave us 14 years ago. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has come to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. He came. He came so that we would be free. He came to release us from prison bondage. He came to give us, oh Lord, the oil of joy for the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness. Cast it at his feet today. Cast it at his feet today. You couldn't be more broken than anybody else in the Bible. Oh Lord, 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 as we heard today. Oh, we believe, we believe, we believe. Beauty for ashes, Jesus. Oh, Father, we believe what the devil meant for harm, you will turn around for good. Yes. You will turn around for good. You will turn around for good, my God. And we believe today. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. Can we just raise our hands and tell him, I love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, my God. We love you. We love you, my God. We love you. You mean the world to us, my God. Oh, Father, Father, Father. We thank you today. Oh, thank you for healing broken hearts today. Thank you for healing sick minds today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us out of darkness into the marvelous light today. Thank you. We love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we worship you. Pray, Lord, for Rihan. We pray, Lord, for Evangeline. And we pray, Lord, for Athira. We pray, Father, for the young children that have come today, under two years old today. And I pray no harm will come near them. No virus, no germ, no disease will touch them today. We pray, my God, their parents bought them in faith. And Lord, we believe that faith arise today. Oh Lord, let faith arise, my God, and no harm will touch them. No virus, no germ, no disease. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we sing Waymaker? As we close, one more song.
watching from around the world he is here with us and he is there with you touch your people today let the chains fall off let the chains fall off as we pray as we worship let the chains fall off the chains with which the enemy has bound your people let those chains fall off. The chains of sloth, the chains of lethargy, the chains of prayerlessness, the chains of addiction, every chain, let it fall off. You are the light that broke through the darkness of Jabez. You are not just the God of Jabez. You are our God, my God. You will turn our pain to gain. will not be wasted it will not be wasted 
For your word says every tear. Every tear. is collected. And stored. Every prayer is mixed with the incense in heaven. Prayers are not wasted. Touch your people. Let the spirit of prayer and supplication come upon your people. Let even the young ones start praying, Lord, in the prayer closets. Let our lives be defined by your word and by our prayer, Lord. Change us, Lord. Change us. Let no man again say, I do not have. Because we love. Our God is the giver. If he gave his only begotten son, how much more with him, he will give us all things. Sorrow may tarry for a night. Joy will come in the morning. Our God is a God of joy. A God is a God of breakthrough. A God who sets the wrong right. The God who said, wait patiently. Don't give up. And I will make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Oh, let the Son of Righteousness rise with healing under His wings. Let His people go out like stall-fed calves. Heal your people. Deliver your people. Let them be people, young and old, people of destiny. God-given destiny. Thank you, thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for 25 days in this 10th month. Thank you for bringing us through the pandemic and the famine through it all you have brought us well through Lord there's nobody here who actually lacked there was food on our table clothes on our back enough money to pay the bills and more to help others only you could have done this we just want to thank you we just want to praise you we just want to glorify you Lord thank you, thank you Father, thank you Lord for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of His Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.